Hey, this is Marx and you're listening to Into This. Into This is my podcast, welcome to it. And in Into This podcast, we talk about contemporary arts. This is episode 19. And in episode 19, we'll be talking about the show that is currently in view at TAP Art Space. And it's a show called A Witch is Born Out of the True Hungers of Her Time. And it's a collaboration between artist Guillaume Adjutor Provost and Shani Tomasini. I'll give you a little bit of the background of both artists because I usually forget to do that in these tap conversations. Um, Guillaume has a bachelor's in graphic design from the University of Laval in Quebec. And then in 2011, he obtained an MFA also from the University of Laval in Quebec City. And then he did a PhD in um, practical studies in the arts at the UCAM in Montreal. And Guillaume is currently doing a residency at the Darling Foundry in Montreal. And he is represented by gallery Hugues Charbonneau, also in Montreal. Then Shani Tomasini, she has a bachelor's in visual arts from the UCAM as well in Montreal. And Shani is doing an MFA in Texas in the University of Texas in Austin. So yeah, I usually forget to give you the background of the artists that are showing a tap, so there you go. Um, before I start the conversation about the show, I wanted to quickly take a minute to talk about something that I think is important because this is the last show that we'll have at the space for this season. If you don't know, uh, the gallery space or the art space, it's a one-car garage that has two doors. So both doors are open usually during the exhibitions. And on one side is a back alley and on the other side is a courtyard. And the charm of the place is that, you know, when, when the weather allows it, we can be outside in your courtyard and the actual show space is actually very small. So if we close one door and we make people to be in there, probably with five to seven people, it would look very packed. So <laughs> um, this will be the last show for the season. Uh, however, we may announce something uh along the way in the winter time we don't know yet so we don't really we can't really say anything about that but um if anything we'll be back at the end of april of next year and uh, we're excited to announce some of the artists that will be there we'll have an open call for submission that um, if you are interested in applying we very much encourage you to to apply we uh, we would love to have your application coming in and so anyway, so I, I wanted to take a minute to talk about something that I've been thinking lately, uh, and especially because of this ending of the season of TAP. And it is that I've been reading and talking to people about what they think about this experimental and non-traditional spaces to show art. And I've been finding that there's only a couple of opinions on the fate <laughs> of these spaces. And one of them is to become a commercial gallery. And the second one is to get funded by the government and then become probably something similar to an artist-run center. And of course, number three would be to basically disappear. You know, there's also a lot of conversations about the fragility and the ephemeral nature of these spaces, right? And that they will eventually get replaced with another project and so on. Um, I don't know. I don't feel well with those options only. I think 
there's probably more options for these projects. And it may be my very personal and specific position in how I came into the community. But it seems like everybody else is doing the following, you know, at least probably 90 to 95% of the artists that I know and that I have worked with, they don't really make a living out of making their art. And I don't know why this idea of making these projects to be that, you know, when everything else is not. And that's fine. I mean, um, imagine if you would say to an artist that like, you shouldn't be doing art if you cannot really make a living out of it. I mean, that sounds pretty reductive and it sounds really, I don't know, close option. So what I'm saying is that these spaces and at least tap, what started to be was a, a place for experiments, a place where we welcome every kind of experiment and we are trying as much as we can and in a really conscious way to be really inclusive and to be aware of all those things that we all the art community and the more progressive type of society are aware of, you know, um, to be aware of race, to be aware of um, gender, to be aware of any other backgrounds. And so, as I said, from the beginning, this started to be a project that it was personally funded by me and my partner. And honestly, we are not swimming in money. That's not to be thought like that, but as all the artists that we work with who are really putting a lot of effort into keeping their practice up by their own means and doing a lot of efforts like that, we also see this project like that. We also see how important for us is to keep it the way it is. And the only way to do that really is to maintain it the way it is, right? So. Of course, we're not close to any other opportunities that come our way. If somebody comes and say, hey, I want to bankroll you, we'll be happy with that. However, we're not looking for that. And I think that is important that we add another option to those that normally are talked about in, you know, articles and magazines and in in all these kind of retrospectives and analysis of the art community in Montreal and all these little spaces. And I feel like, <laughs> again, it may be my very specific, our very specific situation here in which, you know, we didn't go to art school, we didn't really study this and, and we have another source of income which allow us to do this with a lot of openness and with a lot of, you know, with nothing to really to hide and nothing really to aspire more than just the experimental aspect of it, which is what we really want from it. And I think that is important for us to say it and it's important for us to share this with the community because we think that it, I think it's important to put another option in the table. And I think that it's important to get other opinions if, you know, if anybody has one. But anyway, so this show, the fourth show at TAP, which is called A Witch is Born Out of the True Hungers of Her Time, will be in view until October 19th. 
and we are very happy with the results of this exhibition. It was a really, really awesome opening. A bunch of people that, again, different crowd, we didn't really know them. Of course, every artist, I guess, have their own crowds and we are super happy that, you know, different people come to the space. Of course, we have our regulars now and that's amazing. Every Wednesday when we open, we do get some visits as well and we're super happy with that. And we love the conversations that um, that happens in the space with other artists and between artists, between us and the artists and between other people who are not artists or have nothing to do with the community. When they get there and they have the opportunity to talk to artists and, and all this, it becomes something new. It becomes something different that I think it's sometimes overlooked. Of course, that, you know, if, if you want to have a professional conversation about it, of course, you will probably choose to talk to an art historian but how interesting it is to talk to a construction worker about your work, you know? And we have been really lucky to have had the opportunity to invite very diverse people into the space and to, to see that they are actually interested in it, which, you know, just, just that is a, to us, at least to us, that, that is a really huge success. And uh, you may notice a little bit of a change in the sound, and that is because we moved. We moved and um, I'm not completely set up yet for recording this, so I'm kind of improvising, just like putting some foam on top of chairs and <laughs> right in front of me on the, on the table and stuff, but it's not really working that well. So I'm sorry in advance if the sound is not as we are used to, but um, my sound engineer, Arcadio Lance, is doing a great job. So this conversation was recorded a couple of days after the opening and we talked about you know how the opening went and how the collaboration happened between Guillaume and Shani and then um, we talked about their present work we also go into the topic of how they see their show being part of the contemporary art conversation and a lot more we set out to record a short conversation we said like oh yeah maybe 25 or 30 minutes but it ended up being a little bit longer and um, i think it's important to also share the uh, topics that we had to talk about um, of course we talk about the show but as always we don't really try to explain any anything there's access points but there's no explanations right so that's what we usually do here and as always, I hope that it just opens another avenue for you to access the show. And I think it, it, it does it. I think it does it. Okay, so here is me talking to Guillaume and Shani. Enjoy. Yeah, so as I always start these conversations, I wanted to thank you for taking the time to come and, and talk to me about the show and for everything. <laughs> and it's been great mm. to work with you guys. Uh, at the distance with you, Shani, but yeah. also with you. So um, I'm going to ask you to quickly just introduce yourselves. Well, first, I want to mirror this back to you. And thank <laughs> you uh, just for doing this podcast and this uh, TAP Art Space project, not just for me, but in general. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Pretty cool initiative. Um, hi, I'm Shani Tomasini. Um, I'm from Montreal initially. Uh, but I'm now based in Austin, Texas, where I do uh, my MFA in sculpture. Yeah. Good. And? <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Guillaume Magistar-Provost. I'm an artist working with all different materials and language and all of that. I'm based in Montreal as well for a few years now, seven years I've been mm -hmm. in Montreal. Mm -hmm. Great. So um, we opened the show last Friday 
and uh, it was a, it was a good opening, I think. How do you guys feel at the opening? Pretty great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I had just gotten in town, and I I didn't get the chance to come in Montreal through the summer. So for me, it was like just a really really great thing to enjoy an opening, but especially like my opening. I yeah. had a lot of nice happy faces, and I was really proud of the show. So yeah, amazing. Yeah, I think we were looking forward to show these pieces that were made yeah. pretty recently as well yeah. since the yeah. invitation started early summer more mm-hmm. or less mm-hmm. and then we worked on these pieces recently yeah, throughout and the summer yeah i was just excited to have this conversation going with like my montreal yeah. crowd mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah that's great i mean one of the things that um is a constant when i talk to artists for the podcast and in general Um, when we talk about what does it mean to be a contemporary artist right now and all that, most of the people say um, that what that means is to be part of the conversation, that your work, it's actually part of something that is happening now and that enters in that conversation. And that's one thing that I wanted to ask you about this show. How do you guys make it fit into that global and Global, it could be global, it could be also local, but how do you make a feeling to the conversation that is happening in the contemporary arts? Well, I feel like like artists are sponges and we've been like working. This is a specific setup where we were working on it at distance. And so we were, we started a conversation just talking about what was going on in our life and our like immediate climate and ecosystem Um Like, I mean, in the studio and what's happening. And I feel like the heat wa- waves in Montreal were pretty present. Yeah, um, so it like entered Guillaume's studio space, I guess, pretty dramatically. Mm. And I, I was experiencing my first uh, full length summer in Texas, which it's even hotter than what in Montreal. And it's like consecutive heat with no no cold breeze at all no breaks um no <laughs> but it, it was different because um it it's so extreme that everybody has a, a like a central ac unit so you can always retreat inside and you feel normal again mm-hmm. um but at one point in the summer my ac unit broke and it was during the 110 we were like for a week it did It went to 110 Fahrenheit, which is like almost 45 degrees yeah, Celsius. That's that's and insane. it broke at that point. Yeah. And it was like the house became a heaven. So me and my roommate have to uh, it, like retreat out of the house for a few days. I was sleeping at school in my studio because it was like, it's just too hot. You can't. Um, but the, I don't know. That was really present, I guess. Yeah. I think the experience was similar in Montreal. Um, but to me, it was also a bit secondary in a way that you um you have a, a personal experience of this heat but it's yeah. also it informs you of something more global um not that the experiment was so dramatic it wasn't really because you there's always ways to cool yourself here yeah. but it informs how it's yeah it's touching a lot of people worldwide um this summer particularly yeah mm-hmm. and yeah. i think that's that was what was touching both of us in a way and yeah we kind of had that in mind not really for creation but Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it's been a very special summer in Montreal because it's just, it's been insanely hot. There was one day that we had to go to the Home Depot to buy something. 
And it was one of those heat wave days and it was a holiday. So nothing else was open. And the Home Depot was packed with people just trying to get, or? yeah, just trying <laughs> to get, get out of the, of the heat wave. And they were also buying probably air conditioning units, but honestly, people were just hanging out <laughs> at the Home Depot. <laughs> they were just sitting around in the furniture. Eating you know? a sandwich like, in the Home <laughs> Yeah. There's a subway there yeah. so you can eat and stay there. No, but. It's interesting that you took that like as a starting point mm. for this show. And the genesis of the show from the beginning was that, um, you know, I talked to the two of you and I asked you if, if you would be willing to work together and all that. So after that happened, the communication between the two of you and the collaboration happened at distance because you live in Texas, you're in Montreal. Yeah. Um, how was that? How was working at distance and how was the collaboration between the two of you to make the, to make the show? If I can answer, yeah. I think there was a a sense of, of um, I was trusting your practice and I think it was yeah. reciprocated, um, yeah, which absolutely. meant that we were like, I think we were both affected by something, but we wanted to put a form on it. Um, and you said earlier that, you know, artists are sponges. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's how I see how, how my practice works and how yours works as well. You know, we're sensitive beings, um, we're attentive to details. And the language that we choose to to express these sensitivities and attitudes are visuals. You know, in the end, we are making objects and we're making elements that are physical in, in our world. Uh, other creators choose music or dance or whatever. And I think that's the language that I relate most is is, is making um, yeah material objects mm -hmm. happening in the world. Right. So it was more loose. It was like, okay, so we're going to talk about maybe this is the idea of the show you do your thing. I do my thing. That was, that was the type of collaboration. Well, we, we talked about yeah. kind of the, the thematic that we're revolving around the show first. And I, I said, oh, I have this piece that I would like to incorporate in the show, which was the hurricane bucket yeah. piece. Yeah. And then you were working with an ozone yeah, um, generator. generator uh -huh. Uh -huh. And it was like ozone is generated just before um, it's like the smells of it is like what you smell before a storm or uh -huh. I, I, right just after like, a storm. Yeah. I, and yeah. After, so it just worked really well from yeah. the starting point. Yeah. And so I also had a lot of trust in, and I was looking forward to see mm. the pieces that you were making, but I like trusted them. So mm -hmm. we like talked a little bit in between, but I was not worried right. or like, is it going to work? Cause like from the beginning, it was super organic right. and we were both thinking about similar issues. That's great. Yeah. You know, it's also about timing. Going back to the conversation, the global conversation of our contemporary art, as a general thing as well, we are all living the same things and mm -hmm. most likely will be influenced by the, the similar things as well. For you to think about that specific topic of climate change and all that, um, that comes from being experiencing all these heat waves and stuff, or have you in the past been involved or, you know, more interested in all these changes that we are experiencing? I mean, like what I'm trying to understand is like, if it's like a topic that you just chose for this show or is something that you will continue to maybe think about, maybe do something else with, or it's just, you know, it, if it stops kind of like here with the show at that. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a difficult question to Is answer. It? I, yeah. in, a, in a way that I think, um, like in, in either way, if we continue doing work on this topic or not, I think it, it will still affect every, everyone and work. Um, yeah, I feel like it, it will keep informing my practice. And I like from one project to another, I jump 
often uh, into different issues and topics uh, or I research different things, but I also I'll always have the same, like there's always this physicality that's like present and the same like angle that I use that is like a little bit whimsical, a little bit poetic, but there's always that angle. And right now, yeah, the, the issue of climate was very present, but also I, I have another show and I was working with um, growing uh, living organism on my pieces. So I, I feel like that kind of goes in the same thing, like talking about ecosystems, yeah. uh, but they're very different, uh, both very different subject matter, but I don't know, I don't see them as like in separate room. They're like elastic and they touch one another okay. and they are rooted in the same like, yeah, like plant. Right, no, for thing. sure. Yeah. yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, it's, it's hard to just say like, oh, this is one thing and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, Guillaume, you are yeah. finishing your residency at the Darling Foundry. That is almost right because yeah. I still have a few months. Oh left. yeah, yeah. It's on, on until July 2019. Okay. Oh, okay. So almost a full year. almost a full year. Oh, I thought it was finishing starting. earlier. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. So that's still going there. Exactly. Well, I yeah, still have a few months to work on next project there, but enjoyed. I really enjoyed my residency of of um, yeah three years in the end at yeah. the Darling Foundry. For sure. So it's been, it's been a good experience. It's been a great experience. And I'm, to be honest, I'm also looking forward for the next, uh, residents to take, um, you know, part of, of the program and of the studio residencies there. Yeah. Yeah. So it will benefit them as well as how it benefited me. Nice. Amazing. Those studios are huge. (laughs) Well, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that is a big part of it. They're huge. They're well furnished. Um, Yeah. Um, they're, you know, a good price as well. Yeah. How, how does that work? So you get, so you apply, you get accepted, and then you pay for the studio that you use. Exactly. That, yeah, well, okay. the, the, there's a jury selection. Okay. Um, in the end, they choose between, I think, seven and eight mm-hmm. yeah, studios for Montreal artists. Uh, the open call is ongoing. It's until October 15th. So if mm-hmm. there's people that want to apply for a studio, there's some possibility now. Um, and then there's um, yeah, the rent price. I think it might change now that it's the next batch. I don't know exactly how right. much it will be, but it's, it's affordable for artists in Montreal. Yeah. And there's also quite a lot of studios that are sponsored. Right. So there you have uh, a, a place to work and you also have a production budget on top of it. Oh, really? Which, yeah. It's, 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 it's really great. That's, That's very awesome. good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> sounds great. Yeah. It sounds like what you were saying, Jenny, about the University of Texas. Yeah. I yeah. feel like Grad school is kind of a art residency uh-huh. I'm in it for two years, and that sounds like similar um, environment. Yeah, situation. Yeah. yeah. So, how's your experience now in Texas? You've been there for a year, right? Yeah, I'm halfway through. Um, so I will graduate in May. Um, so I guess I should be starting working on my thesis show pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. um, May is less than a year. So it's very soon. Well, yeah. May 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's quick. Yeah, yeah. super quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the grad program is amazing there. Yeah. Um, it's kind of under the radar, I think. Uh, UT Austin. Well, there's so many amazing schools in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. This one is not like one of the first one we hear about. But the yeah, the program is really impressive. It's a small program. We get 12 new grads each year. Yeah. I got accepted in sculpture. It's pretty competitive. Um, because everyone get a fully funded 
situation. So that because the tuition is really expensive, but they cover all of it. Um, and you also get a stipend. So yeah. that's amazing. For sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, following a question that Guillaume was asking you before we turn on the mics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, what, what, do you, what are your plans for after finishing your MFA? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I have a year to like yeah, figure that out. For sure. Um, right now with my visa, it's like a J1 visa. If I find a job or like something... Yeah, it has to be a, like some sort of job. I can stay up to 18 months in the mm -hmm. state under that visa. Um, I'm just trying to see if I can, like, I feel like home is Montreal. Mm -hmm. So I will return for sure. Just because Canada and Quebec is such a welcoming and easy place to live. We have health insurance. Um, that's that's the most shocking thing I've experienced in the state. I have health insurance through the university, but... People don't have it necessarily. That's that's frightening. Yeah. Um, and like the space in Montreal are kind of cheap. So I feel like I would return at one point. But now I'm just trying to like travel and experience as much as I can outside of there and build a network. And um, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity out there for like recent grad student, like the year after you graduate. So I'm just applying to a bunch of things. And yeah. I'm going to let life um, surprise me. So there's nothing like a postgraduate work permit or anything like that. They don't. It's not. It's not guaranteed. Well, yeah, that's with yeah. the J1. I already okay, have it, okay. but I need to, to find have a job. the job. Okay. Otherwise, I have to go back. Oh really? Yeah, I need oh. a. I need a job. Uh, but with that, I can stay up to 18 months. Yeah. Um. But if you don't find it, then you have to leave yeah, the country. Yeah, I have to. Leave oh, the country. that's interesting. In yeah, Canada, the way like that it works, uh -huh. it is for sure. Like it I'm is. building a network. I have friends. I have like I feel like home. But then, as soon as I'm done, like this really sweet, sweet situation is over. Well, I'm kicked out. Yeah. Um. So I'm. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to not have this happen. I've been like in conversation with a few people and like trying to figure out. For sure. And I think like if you're organized, you can really stay longer. Right. Um. Yeah. I yeah. guess you need to start applying. As soon yeah. as possible for jobs yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you like to do? Uh, well, related to like, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, like, as a job, of course, like, like artist residencies mm -hmm. are the like things I'm like attracted to the most. But right. uh, well, through like, I would like to try to teach for sure, and I feel like there's opportunities uh, for recent grads um, that are available. I would like to try it maybe for a year mm -hmm. and like see after, I don't know. Right. I'm, I'm a teaching assistant right now, but it's like, it's really not the same Right. as like leading, you know, Guillaume, Guillaume teaches oh, yeah. now. So. I, I could see you teaching as well. I think yeah, oh, yeah. you have the credentials. Oh, well, thank you. That's really nice of you to say. <laughs> you teach as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just started about two years ago, started teaching, uh, undergrad students at yeah. become It's going great. I love it. Yeah. yeah. I think it, it informs a lot on your practice. Right. And your um, interpersonal qualities of yeah, maneuvering yeah. conversations. It's, I mean, there's a lot of interpersonal work in teaching for sure. Yeah, absolutely. What do you teach? Um, well, I teach a class that is a bit theoretical in a way, and we're covering the basic um What are the actors and systems and institutions in the art, mainly in Canada? We're looking more on the you know, Canadian Quebec mm -hmm. um, landscape. Nice. I can say. That's cool. Um, it was always your plan to teach when you were wow. doing your, because you have a PhD, right? Yeah. We haven't said that. Shani is working your master, uh, you're working in MFA and you 
finish an MFA also you did a PhD is that right? Uh, yeah exactly yeah, I finished right. a PhD about two years ago right um yeah I mean I I don't know if I I had a large plan in in mind I'm I'm really attentive to present and then I rarely have uh-huh. plans ahead of more than two or three months yeah you yeah. know I have projects in the future but <laughs> <laughs> so yeah life is surprising sometimes you're yeah. like it's not defined I, you sure. know I did it um started a PhD thinking that I would teach in the future. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's also something that I truly like and nice. that can bring us a bit of, of money to fuel the, the practice as well. For yeah. sure. Definitely. That's always a conversation as well. You know, the uh, the means to get to whatever you want to be as an artist in terms of having the possibility to buy your materials and to pay your studio and all mm-hmm. that. That's always a conversation in, with artists as well. So oh, yeah, how you definitely. Do it. yeah. Uh-huh. It's just being realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I'm a sculptor. I want to be a sculptor and I'm trying to find every possible means I can to make this happen. I want to do this for a living. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's a totally valid thing to do. Yeah. Like, I want to I want to live off of this. Oh, right. Yeah, for sure. Being a vis- visual artist, it's expensive practice yeah. because you it's need... It's a luxury. Luxury, yeah. You need usually a second uh, rent because you have a studio yeah. space to mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Um, there's travel expenses because the residencies are not always entirely covered. Yeah. So there's like a lot of, of money that you have to put aside to be able to maintain a practice for a long time. And then eventually maybe you'll you'll hit the jackpot and be, you know, more free and, uh, and able to do all your projects without any financial worries, which kind of doubt it, it happens to a lot of people in the end. Right. Yeah, I was talking to Janet Werner um, and she mentioned that. I mean, she mentioned like one of the best jobs to have while you want to keep your practice is being a professor just because you are always talking about it too. Yeah, you you're know? still in an, like you're in an institutional web network so yeah. you keep your mind sharp, I guess. That, but also teaching, you know, teaching is a good way to really understand and really prove that you know a subject. If you just think about a topic in your mind and you say like, ah, I get it. But then when you try to speak about it, it may be not the same, you know? And and that's yeah. that's also what happens when you are trying to have a conversation about, I don't know, some difficult topics, race or inequality and things like that. You understand sometimes that you, you get your points in your mind, but you don't have the tools to mm. communicate it and to say these things and all that. Um, have you encountered that in terms of, for example, being in crits in you know, in critics of your work or you, when you are critiquing somebody else's work, is that, does that come easily to you guys? Like to have those kind of like difficult conversations with, uh, you know, maybe colleagues or maybe closer artist friends. I'm usually like really good in studio visit or one-on-one conversation. I'm experiencing a lot of critiques classes right now through uh-huh. grad school. Uh-huh. And I I don't know, personally, I'm like, I tend sometimes to not be the most flamboyant mm-hmm. uh, speaker in because I'm just shy. And in a group, I tend to erase myself a little bit. I'm trying to like, I'm getting better at it. But um, one-on-one conversation, I can tell you what's up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I, usually <laughs> right. that's how I uh-huh. like to do it. So this podcast is kind of yeah. easier because we're free and it's, yeah, a large audience. I don't know. Right, 
right? Well, it's it's a fun question yeah. because re- recently I was talking with someone of the fact that I spent 11 years in school learning and talking about wow. art. But in the end, I think I've done very little critiques, mm. like maybe once or twice. Really? Because I, oh. Without getting into details, I started with graphic design, even though I was doing a lot of performance at the time. And then the whole, you know, master and PhD, you don't have that much opportunities to do um, critics, at least where I, I studied wasn't really uh, frequent. Oh, really? And then um, teaching at university, I only did um, class that, you know, there's a speaker and we're exchanging, but there's no, it's not studio based. So we don't have really critics as mm. well. So it's something that really appeared rarely in my experience as an artist. But as you said, it's also, I'm talking all the time about my, my work and other people's work, but on a one-on-one basis, more than in group critics, right. for example. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, uh, there was no classes in your MFA? Not, not yet. I mean, I, I find in the, I would definitely do it because I understand uh-huh. how it works and all of that, yeah. but um, it's not something that I, you know, experienced in depth Trained. throughout, uh-huh. for example, my, the development of my practice. Yeah. Interesting. Wasn't influenced by that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I just think that it's, you know, it, it's an interesting thing because then you get other opinions that normally you wouldn't, uh, and in a safe environment, you know, I did like the air quotes. I don't know why, because, <laughs> 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 you know, sometimes it just doesn't feel that safe, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, that's, that's always constructive if it's meant like that. But, uh, you know, I, I, I just wanted to ask you, what are the main kind of uh, comments that you guys get when people are looking at your work, but in that type of environment where somebody is going to, or it's meant to tell you something that they think about your work in a more quote unquote professional way. Um, not, not just as a friend and say like, Oh, I like it, you know, or something. So it's something that it's more maybe that, uh, leaks into the theory of the arts or where your work fits into, again, the conversation of the contemporary art. Uh, I was wondering like, what are the kind of things that you guys normally get from colleagues or, or professors or, you know, people? I feel like, um, it's really going to depend on the context. For sure. So if it's a crit class, well, I'm at school with um, a group of peers that are also going through grad school and some faculties that are like uh, professional artists. So everybody has the same reference point. Everybody is like talking about this. So the discussion can go really quick and um, like, and it can get kind of hermetic, uh-huh. like where only this group understand what, uh-huh. what we're talking about. Uh-huh. Um, in studio visit, I really like it because I can like lean, because in crit class often the person who presents is more silent and everybody like takes over the conversation in studio visit. I like the fact that it goes back and forth mm-hmm. and both people can like mm-hmm. get something from it and also share. And I don't know, it's different when it gets in a gallery space yeah. and everyone can see it. Right. Um, also, I feel like in crit class or studio visit, you're more in a vulnerable place. Like you put yourself out there. So you're open to like, it's like, please give me criticism. Please, I want to improve. Um, I feel like it's like that too in a gallery space, but it's also more final. Uh-huh. It's like, yeah, give me your criticism, but I, I can't change the show, it's <laughs> over. <laughs> but I'm well, I welcome it as much. Of course. Um, it's just, 
the setup is different mm -hmm. and the public, uh, the audience is larger and the, it's like there's more, uh, it depends where you show, but sometimes there are more education to do or like um, mediation to do mm -hmm. around the work just to make it accessible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So it really depends of the setup and the audience, I guess. Definitely. I mean, one one of the objectives of this is is that, right? Not to really explain any pieces or any particular thing, but more to give another avenue to access the work and to access the show. And I think uh, I think that's always right. I mean, for instance, when you know the artists and you go see their shows, it's a different experience for you to see their work in a gallery because you know their background, you know what's happening in their context. But if you have yeah. no context and you just ex expose yourself to a piece, it's also interesting, mm -hmm. but you may not get uh, maybe like uh, the, the depth of, you know, either, you know, the context or the person, the personal things that are happening around these artists or whatever. And it's a different experience. And I yeah. think that it's also the responsibility of the viewer to get involved if you really wanted to go that deep with the work, then it's your responsibility to get involved with what's happening with the mm -hmm. artist, what's going on around this gallery, you know? And I think that a lot of the times uh, people expect everything to be there yeah. in the gallery. And I just feel like it's also a responsibility of everybody. It's not just the artist, you know? Mm. Like, how can I tell you everything about me? And like, if you're interested, you're gonna... Oh, yeah. To, and is that a valid point or I'm yeah, just... Yeah, I feel like every like artist is different. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like to treat the gallery visitor, the audience as a lazy person. Right. I'm like assuming people are curious. Of if course. not, that's okay. There's yeah. like place for everyone. But I, so. I, I just like if like to, to have something that reveals itself a little bit slowly so that if you want, you can dig more and find more. And so the... It's just a longer, a longer period for you to experience the word because it, it's slower. It's like an onion. Yeah, like, yeah. there's layers. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Definitely. Hmm. Uh, I think um, some years ago I had this comment coming from not quite a friend. I remember it was an acquaintance. I can't quite recall who, <laughs> who made the comment um, that there was a, there was a certain blurriness or there's yeah it's it's my practice a bit blurry. Um, and I, and I like, I really like this comment. And I think it, it made me reflect on how I work. Um, and I think I try to find a balance between what is blurry and what is sharp, um, what is raw and what is cooked. And, and by that is this kind of process of how do you distance yourself in a way in the production of the work. I like a lot of mistakes and accidents and, and process based that is distancing myself from every dis decision that I would make for, for a piece. Um, so it's, you know, it's a state of mind in a way in, in working and then you make choices and hard choices. Right. So there's like this construct in the, in the system of doing a piece. Um, and to me, it's, it's a way of produ producing work, but it's also something that I like to experience as, as a, you know, an art enthusiast. Uh -huh. So when I see pieces, I, I'm always kind of in the lookout for these places of where, where the artist doesn't make, um, you know, Act, uh, decisions like very hard decisions and where where does it choice uh, where are the choices yeah uh-huh uh -huh. that's kind of i think how i approach this art in general yeah no that's that's great um and uh in talking about that specific aspect of your processes um when you are thinking about a piece for instance like um i guess the question would be does form follows concept 
or is the other way around? How does that work for you guys? Like, how do you work normally? That's a really interesting question. Um, like, I I don't have like a like a formula, mm-hmm. but like usually whenever I start with a concept and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna like make this thing in this way and it's gonna work that way. It usually like it feels stuck. Like the thing the f- the thing lacks breathing. Yeah, and then. Usually I do it anyway. And then when I do it, I like stumble upon things and processes and I make mistakes and then I get an idea. So I feel like it's always within the action that I get my ideas. Like, cause I, I read a lot and I do a lot of writing and sometimes I feel stuck and I, I try to get ideas through writing and reading, but it's really through the studio practice, like through making things and like standing and like working with tools that I get my like, my favorite uh-huh. ideas and I think like the piece have like more depth uh-huh. um but there's no like there's no one way of course right. okay just I find it more successful when I like randomly stumble on something and I feel like I'm really often I feel like I'm on a quest and I'm like discovering things through life like I I like read this new interesting thing and I just find out about this crazy like tool that make these things and Like at one point I was searching for a rock that was, I was in Santa Fe and I was walking, um, hiking. And I was like, oh, I want to find a donut shaped rock. And like within 45 minutes, I found a donut shaped rock. Yeah. Um, and I brought it back and I 3D scanned it and then carved it. And like this whole thing like started, but it started with this silly idea. Uh I need this donut shaped rock and, um, a whole mythology evolved around that rock. Uh Um, Uh But I, yeah, I feel like it's sometimes it's like rooted in like scientific studies and things like that, but also it's very open-ended and intuitive. That's why I'm not a scientist and I'm an artist, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that is a true difference. Yeah. Uh, that, I agree with you. Yeah. 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 The result can Because I'm interested yeah. in some yeah. things, right. but I'm not like an extremely all the time rational, like I just... Sometimes I just decide to follow my gut and like, right. I know something works. Yeah. I just need to find find out why. Yeah, you know? no, I, I, agree. I agree. But there, that, there's a lot of that sensibility also, I think, in the hard sciences. The, the, yeah, the, I'm the, sure. The, the, the sensitivity to, uh, of course, always t- being careful with concepts and, and principles. But that um, uh, is not a skill. It's just a... How do you call that? Um, yeah, well, you know? intuition is like intuition. a very specific human thing. That's what it is. That's what I want to and say. And yeah. I feel like it's a sense that mm-hmm. needs to be cultivated and trusted. Yeah. And it's within everyone. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. So Definitely. not just the artists. Like yeah. artists are used to work with that a lot, but yeah. everywhere, every field. Right. Intuition is like, yeah, it's like a gift. It's like something that you, you don't know, but you just know. But the thing is that not a lot of people trust that. Yeah, I feel, you know, it's hard for people to say like, yeah, I'm going to go with my gut, you know, especially, yeah. especially in sciences. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, how, you lack credibility yeah. if you're just like... Well, I mean, at, at the end, it's, it's just a, a, a way of um, proving things. That's what at the end happens in the sciences, at least that you need a way to say this is reproducible. Somebody else can do it. And this is the way to go about it. And I think that intuition sometimes 
is is that is like it's very personal too. So how do you explain this very this very personal sensibility? Sometimes it's really hard, and I think that that's why the sciences are so hard. You know, because it's I mean hard in in terms of like being cold like that. Like say like this is the procedure, and if you follow this procedure, you're gonna get to this point. You know, and that that's what makes it a little bit you know changing in that sense, but. I don't know. Lately, I've been just thinking how crazy it is that politicians now, <laughs> they just say one thing and, and just because they said it, they themselves believe it. And is, is there's, I mean, there's no proof of the concept. There's no nothing about it. And we you know we're talking about climate change, all the conversation you know, in the States. It's, it's, and it's, it's just ridiculous. Like, lunatic. you know, there's scientists that have devoted 50 years of their lives to study something and to try to prove it and to peer review their findings and all that. And then somebody out of the fucking blue <laughs> comes out and say, oh, yeah, that's not true. Yeah. And then people are like, oh, sure. You know, yeah. that's if dangerous. It's super dangerous and it's so close minded. But, you know, that's a different conversation. <laughs> but it, it, it's just to say that um, when talking about that type of thing i do believe that there needs to be a committee behind these opinions and that's more more or less what happens in the sciences but um i completely deviated from the topic so <laughs> we're talking we're talking about processes right of how you guys work and all that um how about you guillaume well processes form yeah um, I, th I think we can view a lot of the work that i've done in the past and even you know present and future will include the whole thing um, that is pretty deeply referential. Mm -hmm. I think it's the backbone of, of the, the, my practice. Um, but I think in my process is that referentiality is also my own process, my, my own interest that drives me towards a subject, an object, a moment, an event, whatever. And in the end, the form that is the artwork um, needs a body. And I think the, what is being referent to all, already has a body, already has something, either it's physical or not. Um, so in the process, I guess I'm searching for this materiality. Yeah. Uh, and, in, and in the end, it's um, the impulse, I guess, to me, like, how do I create? And there's a way for me also to have a discourse to like, what is referencing this, this object that I create this artwork? Um, and it can be quite distant, actually, mm -hmm. it can be quite um, different from what it's referring to. But to me, it's kind of more the body of my own process right. in the end. That's very interesting. The, the referencing uh, aspect of your work is interesting because um, it also opens another window of of you know of access to your work because you see your work and and you, there's depth, but then there's also this invitation yeah. to go and look for these other things that may give you another completely different experience. So that's always been a, a part of your work, right? Yeah, and looking yeah. into what is left out of history usually yeah uh, in the margin you know um genre mm -hmm. literature that is you know looked upon or um not looked upon but you know when you don't look at it too much right, with, with right. interest yeah. science fiction in our um novels for example um yeah i think i think I, i'm quite interested in what lies and what is l less discussed yeah in general yeah that's interesting yeah um uh, and I wanted to ask you specifically about you, the 
beginning of your work, uh, you used to, we were talking about this, we used to do a lot of performances. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I think when I, I was still undergrad, I wasn't even in the arts, I was in graphic design at the right. time. Um, but I guess it was not my field to work uh -huh. into as, as graphic designer. It informed, I think, my work, even still today. Uh, but performance to, to me was the perfect medium because I didn't have a studio space. I didn't have means to create, really. So performance was this very mobile, very flexible practice. that mm -hmm. And I worked in performance for about four years. And I guess at, at the, the, the rupture point was, uh, well, two things. I started to do exhibition at this at this moment. I really got interested in, in this spatial and, you know, community-based artist practice or like inviting others to work with me on installations and all of that. And also performance felt at this moment a bit um, limiting, mm -hmm. let's say. I think mm -hmm. there's there's a way that is produced and that performance art circulates in the world. And then it felt also at the moment that it gained a bit more popularity and it felt like you would on, only be the actor of, um, you know, it. You're there for fun. You're yeah. there for the opening. You're yeah. invited to make it more living in a space, and it didn't felt like it was quite the right, the right space to do performance. So I think I changed that, and I did more installations and exhibition works. And I and I still collaborate with a lot with other performance artists, but mm -hmm. I try to give them the best the best viewing moment for their yeah. performance piece. Cool. Nice. Have you ever tried any other form than sculpture, Shani? I don't think I'll ever ask you this. Um, well, of course, when I was an undergrad, like uh, many people, um, yeah. but like not as much, at, like since I consider my, like since my resume started yeah. existing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I've been like pretty consistently in sculpture, sculpture, except yeah. I had a curatorial project that lasted for two years. Oh yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was, that was, I really, really liked doing that. And I would like to do that, something like that yeah. in the future at one point. Um, so what was it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was called Expo de Casier and it happened oh, yeah. uh, between 2013 <laughs> and 2015. Um, it was, it started when I was an undergrad and then I graduated and I kept it for a little, as long as I felt like comfortable keeping it going on. Um, so uh, there was a situation at UCAM where um, the Galerie de UCAM shut off an undergrad show and I, it was the only one mm. that you could apply to get visibility. Um, and a lot of people were upset about that because we're getting trained to eventually be professional artists, but there's like, it's, it's a line on the resume. It's a, it's a reason to be taken seriously and show your work with peers. So it was a really, like, it was painful for the undergrad community to have this shutdown. Um, and I feel like, and there's a few initiatives that happened at that time. And I, I, I felt like instead of being like pissed and like angry and silent, I just decided to open my own space. And uh, you can, you can rent a locker. Yeah. You don't, they don't give it to you. Just rent it for 20. So I rented two locker, like one office and one gallery space. <laughs> um, mm. And I didn't ask permission to no one. It was like, I had my paper, it's my locker. Um, yeah. So I, uh, I placed a call for submission and uh, I had the selective committee and I based the whole structure that resembled a very much like an artist-run center. Um, I had some uh, grant to mm -hmm. do this, like a tiny amount of money, really small, but yeah. uh, it would pay for wine during the opening great. and I could uh, give artist fee to the artist. Oh, that's great. And that was like the most important yeah. thing for me because yeah. yeah. the idea was to 
like have everybody uh, assemble and have discussion around art, but also to make people feel like they're getting professional and taken seriously. Um, and it's just a symbol. It was a symbolic um, yeah. artist fee. It was five dollars yeah. seventy-five because I shrank everything to the scale of a locker. Right. So the right. Carfac fee <laughs> became like a, if you scale it down to yeah. like one feet by one feet. Yeah. It's five uh, five dollars seventy-five. But and every opening, I would shake hand and give the artist his envelope with the money, <laughs> and it was once every two weeks. Right. Um. Yeah, it was really nice. I did, by the end, I did a publication. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think over the time we had like 19 artists. Right. So um, you would just o- open the, the locker and there would be a piece? Yeah, okay. every second mm. Thursday uh-huh. there was an opening and people just started showing up. Like they knew yeah. they would just show up. Yeah. Um, and there was a piece and um, it started extending beyond the UCAM community. So okay. grad student applied, other artists from outside applied. That is very People cool. from Concordia, yeah. like Tim Messier yeah. did a show. Yeah. Um, and so it made like, if someone had a show there, they were really proud because it was not just like this tiny little mm-hmm. undergrad thing. It was like, they were part of a larger community and people would come and like show up. And at one point we had like, trouble with the security because there was <laughs> too, many too many people on the fifth floor <laughs> um, but that was a good problem because it was like it would last like it was short and sweet it would last like an hour top that's it. an hour and a half top top uh, so it was like an easy thing to run when someone had the show i give them a combination i would show up and we would talk about yeah. the install but as much ma- like as um as the project keep developing um, the proposition, that's what I find really interesting. They started branching outside of the locker. So a lot of performance or things that were yeah. questioning the the location of the locker that is within an institution. Yeah. Um, I, th- I don't know. I, think it, I thought it was really interesting. That is very cool. I wanted to also talk to you about that specific aspect of um, experimental places and also like places that don't necessarily uh, fit in the traditional institutional type of places, like right? tap, like tap, like you know, the like place men, where yeah. you have the show right now on. But also, there's some other places that are being pop up in Montreal. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like it's and it's it seems like another wave of those ones that, according to you know some publications lately and all like that already happen. And and it's true that it, this happens probably all the time. There are waves, you know, in which you get to a point something starts and then those spaces become something else because probably it's impossible to stop any changes happening in a mm. place, you know? And so uh, I wanted to ask you, for instance, like that project of the of the locker was responding to that specific thing that happened when they canceled that show of the undergrads, right? It was, it, it's more than it that. became something else. Right. Uh, it's just the thing that like made me do it. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And then really quickly it became its own thing. Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, it was a gallery space. And yeah. like at that time, like I, people would like found out, oh, it's you, you're running Expo because mm-hmm. like, it was beyond me and my network. Like yeah. other people would come that I didn't know. Yeah. And that's healthy. it became its, and people yeah. not only from UCAM and it was like in the UCAM building. <laughs> so I thought it was like pretty great. Yeah, for sure. And and so I guess my question directly to you, to you guys is like, for you as a, as artists, for instance, when you get invited to to have a show mm. at Tap, like what 
what is the what is the value? Let's just say it openly like that. What is the mm-hmm. value for you as artists to be involved in a project in a space like that that is you know more on like I don't want to say underground, but is is definitely not playing in the same playing field yeah. than other institutions and galleries, right? So I wanted to know yeah. what you know what is your thinking on that. Uh, I, I was super excited to be honest because for years I was looking into all these more experimental places, mm-hmm. the spaces that opened in Montreal. Um, maybe you've told that in a previous podcast, but Salem Tordy mm-hmm. wrote a really good, meant two good pieces mm-hmm. on Momus mm-hmm. on, on the subject. Um, and Eli Kerr also wrote for the project Du Côté de Chez Soon uh-huh. at um, René Blois. Mm-hmm. And both of these texts are, are really informative on the subject. Um, but I think it's it's kind of a thing that is recurrent, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's also referencing to how artists run spaces in Montreal uh, that are more um, uh, institutionalized right now, yeah. uh, how they started. It's kind of yeah. the same movement. And to me, it's, 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 it's really important. I think it's something that really drives me also to stay in Montreal right. because this scene is really active right now. It shows that artists are, you know, resisting in a way to be only like in a professionalized um, way of working. Yeah. 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 I think it's, it's more close, it's closer to how, how I want to produce art. Uh-huh. In a way. That's um, interesting to hear. Yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. Because I think it's, it's, it's less, um, rigid, right? You, know? you can still work until the last minute yeah. when the show that we're presenting at tap. Yeah. Um, you know, the pieces were less than a week before it opened and it was just put together and we're super happy with the result. But it's mm-hmm. also like super. Uh, it felt urgent in a way yeah. to do yeah. the, these pieces and put them and put forward the the ideas that we had in mind, um, but not like two years in advance, uh-huh. which is something else when you're working with artist-run centers and institutions yeah. that are bigger. Yeah. What do you think, Shani? <laughs> yeah, I think this new wave of uh, galleries and independent spaces is like an absolutely healthy and fresh thing to like be happening right now. Um, I was super excited to do that <laughs> thing. Um, I don't know. I've, I was looking forward to it because there's so much freedom attached to it. And also you proposed uh, if I was interested in working with Guillaume. And I was like really excited about that because I know Guillaume, but like it wouldn't have occurred to me to like just do a collab on some, you know, like yeah. apply for a show in an artist film center. So having you to ask us i was like really really excited about that awesome because it would like the opportunity wouldn't have mm. happened elsewhere yeah and also well the fact that i'm not in montreal currently and like you were cool with me coming last minute to install Sorry. i don't know i just felt like trusted and right. free uh-huh. um and yeah i like everything you said pretty much <laughs> make total sense so i, I won't re-say it Right. It's, it's a good observation also to point out that Marx is also selecting artists based on his own observation. Uh-huh. I think, I don't know if we can ask you questions. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think Definitely. it's interesting to kind of know your process behind that because you see that practice could work together, yeah. um, which I mean, I'm super happy to have worked yeah. with you as well, Shani. Um, so yeah, I think yeah. I would like to hear how you see right. it curatorially. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the something really interesting started to happen at TAP which is the, the uh, kind of like genesis of the collaborations in shows. And that's for different reasons. I guess one of them is because of the space. It's constraints. I mean, you know, uh, you can easily have a solo show, but I thought that it would be really interesting to also make artists to 
having to collaborate with somebody else and thinking about their practice according to somebody else's practice as well. I thought that that was interesting in an experimental way because um, usually you are pretty good at thinking about your work because it's your work. And when you have to confront it and, and plan it around also somebody else's work and, and ideas and sensibilities, I think that something interesting happens there in which you have to, you know, make sure that your work and, and the other person's work is going to communicate. And, and so I think that at the center of this is the experiments that, you know, I, I really like the idea of people being free to free of on your mind to say, we're going to put up this show yeah. and it may not be quote unquote successful in a way because it's experimental. And this is at the core of tap of tap failure for tap as a place is a result. It's not mm -hmm. a negative thing. It's an mm -hmm. experiment. And I think that there's a lot of confusion when thinking about this in general. And I guess this comes straight from sciences that for us, that is just another point in the graph. It's not a final thing. And, and with that freedom, I think that we approach the shows at tap. It's like, let's do something and let's talk about it. And then if, you know, you're gonna build on this and that's the whole idea of tap. And so the collaborations is, is another layer of that experimentation of it. And so I've been following both of your practices since a while ago. I have a very uh, particular story with Shani's, one of Shani's first shows, I guess, in Montreal at uh, CK2. Yeah. That was one of my first shows ever, ever, ever. And I saw her work and I was, I didn't know what was happening with me and my interest at that moment. Yeah. I didn't know, but something was really strong in my reaction towards your work. And my friend Raul at the time, he was like, oh, that's Shani. I can introduce you to her. She's, she's here. And I was like, you know, it was my first kind of like time going to a gallery. I was like, can I talk to the artist? I was like, I remember oh, that conversation <laughs> so well. <laughs> and it was really cool. That was like 2012 or something yeah. like that. And, and I remember that as being like really important, um, the conversation to have with the artists. And I think that's also part of what we are trying to do with TAP, right? With these conversations, conversations about the work that also perform as a text, but I think it is more personal than a text because it's your words. Mm -hmm. like I cannot really modify that. If I would be writing this, I can make it my own writing. But you saying this straight to the viewer, mm -hmm. potential viewer, is a different experience. And I enjoy that a lot. The, uh, the opportunity to, to bring that to the community. And so, again, going back to the collaborations, I think that there's something special about ticking you off a little bit of your like solid grounds as an artist and knowing exactly what it is. Um, And with that type of thing now, when I was thinking about, you know, how can we make this collaboration happen? I thought that the fact that you work mainly with sculptures and your work is like highly referential into usually literature and stuff. I thought that like, there could be a really interesting conversation between the two practices by itself, not even talking about the same topic. Yeah. You know, and so that's how I'm not, I went on mm. <laughs> thinking about that possible collaboration. Um, That to say, I mean, that things may change in the future. Of course, it's not written on, you know, on stone. Um, 
that you know we may have sometimes maybe more artists or less artists in the shows but that's what has been this first season of tab which we're closing it with your show and i'm you know very excited that this is the last show of the season and uh, we'll see what happens in the upcoming we'll start restart in uh, the spring with this space here something may happen in the winter we're still seeing that but um yeah that's more or less what it's what's my my thinking on how to uh bring these shows together was that satisfactory really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah really good answer <laughs> so yeah um Is there any other topics that we wanted to get into? I think I would like to say that yeah. the podcast is a really important part of this process, oh, I, I believe. Um, and even coming here this morning, I was like, oh, yeah, cool. We'll talk about, you know, our work um, has usually like a communique de presse would do. Um, but I'm pretty impressed that we're not doing that. You know, okay. we have space to talk about, you know, various subjects that are just going through our practice and yeah. like communicating between each of us. Um, and I really like the experience. I see how it would be like really beneficial to a lot of shows that I would have done in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That's rigid. It's like very generous. Like mm. to, because often I had shows in like artist run centers and it's great. It happens. But then after that, it's like, it's over. Like you uninstall and then the show is over. You Maybe you took photograph of it probably hopefully yeah. but then it's like it's ended forever and then the podcast yeah. it add like prosperity to the thing yeah. like it's just gonna exist on its own yeah we don't talk enough about, about the post opening blues yeah. that's yeah. it that's it that's oh, yeah. the thing we're right? getting super depressed after an opening I, i don't know it happened yeah. to me a lot it, it it happens to me that i mean my energy level are ju just like really low You yeah. know, it's like, mm -hmm. it feels like, yeah, it's like when you, yeah, it's like a fin finishing a project. Like yeah. it's like the ending of it. And then you go like, oh, you get like, mm -hmm. it's very prone for you to get sick yeah. <laughs> yeah. or like all that stuff. But it's, so it is a thing then it's not just me feel, feeling weird after an opening. I get that too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> for yeah. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I'm very hyper before the opening and yeah. I feel like I don't need a lot of sleep and I can like keep going and do so many things. And then as soon as it's over, I'm like. Yeah. yeah, I lose myself. I'm like, oh, I yeah. can't do anything. For sure, I need to sleep. I mean, you just had two openings in like two weeks, and one, one of them week. was in huge. One in one week, in, yeah, yeah, in six days. Six days. How was the opening at? Let's talk about that. How was the museum show? Congratulations on that, first Thank of you. all, on the prize. And uh, what's the name of the prize? I forget. Is the Umlauf Prize? Right, and um, that is for grad uh, MFA students. Yeah, it's a. It's at the Umlauf Sculpture Garden and Museum. So yeah. the price is, it comes with a museum exhibition, right. like a solo exhibition. And it, they gave it to one grad student every year. Um, yeah. And then the show happened. I worked on this the whole summer. <laughs> yeah. Also thinking about TAP. But yeah. this was a like really large scale because it's on the, there's a sculpture garden that is six acre mm. large. Huge, yeah. And then there's the museum that is, I don't know, maybe... 1200 square feet it's just uh -huh. really really big with high ceilings and i had like total freedom over the site and there's a pond i put a fountain in there right and i had i just made large-scale object because mm -hmm. i had the room to put them in and the whole summer to work on them mm -hmm. um but yeah the opening just happened and it was <laughs> it was really exciting and fun and then i really feel like um being here now is like a treat like a right. Yeah. Bravo, you made it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I add that 
I, I follow you, of course, on, on Instagram, follow <laughs> each other. And Shani, um, you're super productive. So like just watching your Sometimes. stories, well, you know, throughout <laughs> the summer, I was like, oh boy, okay, I have to move myself on a little because you're just oh. like pushing voice <laughs> of nature. Up a lot. Yeah, I was yeah. talking, I, a lot of friends were talking about it as well. Like, all right, Shani doesn't sleep that much. <laughs> That's funny. I, like I started using Instagram story to keep, uh, I feel like, because I can't call all my Montreal friends to be like, hey, how's it going? I'm doing this, you know, just keep my network, network in form yeah. in a way. It's and a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's looking yeah. at Instagram. So that's I a good way to do it. That, yeah. That's, that's funny. Cause like now it's just a habit. Every once in a while I post something and people, uh, people are like, Oh, I saw you were doing this and yeah. it's fun. Cause uh -huh. just, <laughs> I don't have to like send invitation by the mail or like info by the mail. That's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Um, I wanted to ask you what, what's coming up after the show at TAP. What do you, you have a big show coming up at the yeah. Darling Foundry? Well, there's six months. There's six months. Today until the opening. Right. So in the next six months, I'll be hard, not hardly working, working hard. Working hard on this exhibition. So yeah, it's a big solo show at the Darling Foundry. Um, opening February, February 28th. So okay. the very end of February. Yeah. And I'll work with two collaborators, a uh, performance artist that is really talented, Guillaume Bibi. Um, that, yeah. And then there's also J Julie Tromp, who's a, you know, uh, an artist. She works mainly in video work. Right. And yeah. I'm really looking. It will be like queer sci-fi nice. exhibition. That's where we're heading to. Nice. Awesome. How long is the show gonna? Well, it, they're like long shows, right? The, 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 the darling, so it'll be until mid May. Oh my god, so that means I'm probably gonna make it. Yeah, that hopefully. Be, I yeah, hope so. <laughs> oh, that's great. What about you, Shani? What have you up? Uh, not it's as, up. yeah, I had like these two things coming up, and I was not thinking about anything else, just yeah. like focusing on these two shows. So now I'm just back at like fully. Being a grad student, right. working on my thesis that's going to happen in April. Mm, starting May, writing. That, yeah, that's exciting. I li like, I really enjoy writing and yeah. it's a big part of my practice. I like do it uh, with most of my projects. So I'm like looking forward to that. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that sounds like a like a good project to have finished in an MFA. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's a full project by its own. Yeah, yeah. that's great. And um, figuring out. Yeah, the rest. That's it. That's like, it. Yeah. Can, can you just get like any jobs and just keep uh, stay there? Like like mm, McDonald's jobs? No, it has to be no. related to, to the, the field. Uh, no, yeah, because right. it's like it's not an OPT, but it's like a the visa is just so that it you can work in your field. Yeah. Oh yeah. After school. That's so interesting. It's mm. annoying with grad school and art. Yeah. Because artists, like professional artists, are not like you work in considered. a studio. You like and often you make a living off not studio related job. Right. So that's mm. a hard, and yeah, it's just a, usually they have this in other field. Mm -hmm. And as for many other things, it's not adapted for the arts. Like not, it's not. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> What no. is upcoming for you, Marks? For me, um, for me, <laughs> um, Try to get a space for the winter for maybe mm. plan one or two shows at tap. Uh, we're trying to do that slowly. If that doesn't happen, we'll wait for the spring. You know, it's also good for us to have some time to 
go back to openings because we haven't been able oh, yeah. to go to any openings and it's just a lot of work. Yeah. And also I think it, it feels a need in Montreal because there's a lot of spaces that are closed in summer. So yeah. having a space mm -hmm. that is open in summer and Definitely. closed in winter is kind of a, the opposite. And I think it's really good. I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And that, that was, that was always the, the, also the idea with Tap One. Remember Tap One? Yeah. At the basement. So fun. I don't know if you heard about that. <laughs> I've, I've seen yeah. pictures. Yeah. I've seen a big yeah. show. Yeah. It was like such a cool party. Also, like it was a really good show, but a fun party. Yeah. It was a fun opening. Super yeah. fun because it was just kind of like the weekend and that's all. Mm. So it was a lot of work for a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it was really fun. So, uh, It was in the summer and a lot of the artists who yeah. I invited, they had that comment. It's like, oh, you know, the summer is not the greatest time to show. And I was like, why? And they're like, well, not too many people are here. Not too many places have shows. And I was like, well, that I think yeah. that's that makes it. All the more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was pretty packed. So yeah. yeah. The whole basin was full. But yeah. So, yeah, I think it's also a good rotation in going to, you know, galleries that are opening now. And then when there's downtime, come to the garage and have a beer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to, to, to finish, uh, to ask you if there's any other, uh, anything that you want to say, anything else? I think we said a lot. Yeah. 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 I think you have a lot of content. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so, that's, yeah. All right. that's, that's good. Um, again, I want to thank you very, very, very much for all the trust in the project, for all the energy put in the, in the show. And I'm super happy that this happened and that we're, you know, collaborating and, you know, it's yeah. Thanks too. to Yugi Om too and yeah. Marx. It was a pleasure. It's yeah. excellent. Amazing. See you guys soon. Yeah. See you guys. <laughs> yeah. Ciao. All right. Thanks. Cool. That was nice. That Do you was like nice, it? Yeah. yeah. I think it was my best radio-ish experience. Yeah. It was ah, amazing. All right, so that was my conversation with Guillaume and Shani. It was an interesting conversation because, you know, as, as you heard, they asked me some questions and um, and it was nice to share things that sometimes because of the time constraints and everybody's pretty busy and all, it's really hard to just sit down and have a conversation of two hours with the artist that you're working with. And maybe it's a very specific case of this show but uh, I'm really glad that I had the opportunity to finally sit down with both of them at the same time in a more private type of setting and talk about things and especially about the show. I think the conversation really, it actually does what I, I wanted it to do, which is like give access to this show and to their sensibilities in a more personal way. And I'm happy with it. And I'm happy that this show will closer season and we'll be back though we'll be back remember that we are not gone we're we'll be around L the latest the latest will be april at the end of april of next year but we may you know tell you something before so keep an keep an eye open for tap um i want to thank you so much for all the support uh at tap for this first season and to everybody who has passed by and who has given us a lot of motivation and a lot of support with passing by, with uh, their comments, with, uh, you know, all the enthusiasm in these projects happening in Montreal. We want to say thank you so, so, so much. Um, anyway, so into this podcast will continue, though, in a regular basis <laughs> and maybe even more often. But I'll, I'll tell you more about that probably in two or three weeks. 
with another regular episode of Into This Podcast. And uh, I hope that you come back to listen. And thanks so much for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Enjoy the end of the summer. All right. Cheers. Thank you.